Good morning and welcome to this ongoing series of podcasts as we work our way through the book of Revelation. Today we're going to look at chapter 11 of the book of Revelation. I want to just circle back and, and cover a few things that we've said before and a few things that we haven't mentioned before. And that would be that this book is written by John the Apostle. It's based upon what Jesus is saying to him and revealing to him. And it's about things that have been, things that are, and things that are yet to come. The early part of the letter was, uh, of this writing was the letters to the seven churches. And when we left there, that was what is, we've been dealing with what is to come. In the last chapter, chapter 10, I borrowed an analogy from my friend uh, Steve Hudson and pointed out to you that when you got to chapter 10, you sort of went from moving forward to getting color commentary. If everything up to then was kind of a was equivalent or analogized to a play-by-play announcer where it's saying this happens and then this happens, then chapter 10 is kind of like filling in the background. It's a color commentary, if you will, sort of like adding flesh to to the skeleton, adding additional information. The second thing I want to say is that, as I've said many times in these and other podcasts, Always read the scriptures yourself. Check what I say against scripture. And if what I say varies from scripture, then you need to go with scripture. Uh, I'm doing my very best, and I believe that most people do the same. But we're all human, and we don't know all the answers, and we don't. I don't even know all the questions. So we're doing the best we can. Uh, I, I think I've said before that the book of Revelation has always been in, in, sort of intimidating to me, and I decided to dig in and try to understand it better and, and to share those thoughts with others as a way of encouraging you and encouraging me and helping us to grow in Christ. Now, I want to set the stage for where we are. The story is about what is yet to come. And so what we're seeing here is what's revealed to John about what's going to happen in the future. So it sounds like we're talking present tense, but we're talking in the present tense with John about what will happen in the future. And so John has been laying that out as it's revealed to him by Jesus Christ and Then when we get to the end of chapter 10, the last verse, verse 11, he says, and I was told, meaning John was told, you must prophesy again, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. And so that leads us into chapter 11, and we're going to look at what he says in the opening part of chapter 11 but I want to give this additional context. The future events that is being discussed is the rapture of the church, those who have been born again in Christ from the day of Pentecost forward, 
and those who were alive at that time. And we've discussed that in detail, and I won't go back except to say that I approach that from the standpoint of the rapture occurring prior to the tribulation. Now we're in the tribulation. This is what he's talking about. And so that's the context of where we are. The, the tribulation is a seven-year period, and we're now in the first three and a half years of that. And let, so let's read chapter 11, verse 1. Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there, but do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. Now, back when the seals were being opened and we saw the white horse come forward with a bow in his hands, we talked about then that many people think, oh, that must be Jesus, but it's not. But it's one who claims to be. He's the Antichrist. And so he makes basically a, a peace accord with Israel that that they will be at peace and that peace lasts for 42 months but at the end of that 42 months the antichrist reveals his complete true color that that he is the enemy of God and so John is saying here that he was given uh, an order at the end of uh, chapter 10, again, remembering that these books weren't written in chapters and verses. Those were added to help us keep up with them. He said, you must again prophesy. So he's prophesying. And he's saying, I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told to rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there. And so when measurements take place in the Bible, there's always two things going on. It's either about a judgment to come or about ownership. And here it's basically about both of those. He's measuring, and as a result of that measurement, uh, there's a need for two witnesses who are witnessing not to others, but to the really ultimately their witness is to the Jewish nation, to Israel. And so those two witnesses that he says he will grant authority to uh, will prophesy for 1260 days, for, for three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth, which represents uh, that, that they're humbling themselves and they're seeking God's guidance. And starting with verse four, it says, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. The two olive trees represent that, that they are Jewish. Now we don't know for sure who they are. There've been different speculations about that. I, I won't go into that, but the one thing is clear here. We're not talking about two angels, and we're not talking about something that's symbolic. We're talking about two two witnesses who were alive and, and living on earth. And what do witnesses do? Witnesses testify 
uh, in court. And so he's just been told to, to prophesy and to measure for purposes of judgment. And so that judgment is going to be based upon that testimony. So these two olive trees, these two Jewish witnesses, uh, they have a lot of power. It says if anyone would harm them, if somebody tried to harm them before their time during those 1,260 days, those three and a half years, then fire would come out of their mouth and consume those who would seek to harm them. Uh, and says this is how anybody that fools with them during that 1,260 days is doomed to die, that they're going to die. They not only have that power, they have the power to shut the sky so that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. A three-and-a-half-year drought is devastating in an area that, that has a lot of rainfall, but in an area that's dry to start with, you can only imagine how terrible that can be. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. In other words, their, their testimony is going to be strong. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit, the Antichrist, will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. We're talking about Satan. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city uh, that symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified after after they were killed uh after the Antichrist made war on them and conquered them and killed them, he left their dead bodies in the street, ordered that, that nobody would bury them in order to, to uh, continue to disrespect them. And so for three and a half days, uh, some from the people and tribes and languages and nations will gaze upon the dead and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. Not only that, but those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merriment and exchange gifts. In other words, it's going to be a party because the death of these two prophets had been such a torment to those who dwell on the earth. So their torment, uh, their witness was about the Jewish people, but their torment applied to all as well as their witness. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God will enter them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on all those who saw them. Surely you would think this would be a wake-up call that, uh, that, that they were raised from the dead right in front of their eyes. And you can imagine after three and a half days of laying in the street and the the merriment and all that was done over them, that their bodies were decaying and so forth. But then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. You know, that had to be a wake up call when they heard that. And those two, those two guys, uh, went up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. And then at that same hour, there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people, uh, Jews, were killed in the earthquake in Jerusalem. And the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Now, last time when we were discussing this, this, this analogy of the play-by-play and the color commentary, we, we pointed out that when 
when you got to chapter 10, we were talking about uh, filling in the blank, so to speak, giving the color commentary, but that the the narrative, the play-by-play, picked back up in verse 11, I mean, chapter 11, for just a few verses, verses 14 through 19, and then you pick up again at chapter 16. So here we arrive now at leaving the color commentary and coming back to the play-by-play, so to speak. Verse 14, the second woe has passed. Behold, the third woe is to come. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now, when the seventh uh, angel blew the trumpet, that was was in essence the beginning of the of the wrath the bowls of wrath so the seventh trumpet signals the coming in of those bowls of wrath so we've got the the seals and the trumpets and the and the bowls of wrath uh, all bad news for all those people that are alive. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came, and by and the time for the dead to be judged, and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Now, these worshiping, we're not talking about the people on earth. We're talking about the 24 elders who were in thrones seated before God, fell on their faces and declared the worship of God. And then in verse 19, then God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen within this temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. God's power, his holiness are evident and abundantly clear to all in in him through his actions. So we, we see here that God is on his throne and he is God. There is no other. Let all the earth worship before him. We know that, that there is coming a day, and it's real soon in this narrative, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. God bless you.